welcome. Good to see each and every one of you. Um, I do want to talk today about the power of the Spirit in us. And I'm very, very mindful that the Spirit is not the only Spirit resident in this time and season and also in this room. That in all of our lives there are various things that want to occupy and take up space. And so I just want to take a minute and pray. And Heavenly Father, under the authority of who we are in you, we just stand in your presence. Father, in humility, asking you to do what only you can do. Father, I admit that I am bankrupt to do anything in spiritual realms. But Father, in your authority, all things are still possible. And so, Father, we just pray for today. We pray for what you want to speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that each of us would be tender to you and also to one another, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. One day there were two brothers, and they could be described as intense. Wherever they went, a rumble kind of followed. They were described as a storm. Their personality was a storm. It wasn't one that brought calm. It brought a lot of stuff up. And it created a lot of different perspectives. So much so that Jesus called these two brothers sons of thunder. Thunder is a storm. It's a symptom of a storm. It's not ones who bring peace, but something different. And these two brothers begin to follow Jesus. And following Jesus starts with a single step, but it's also multiple steps along each and every one of our lives. Yes, it starts with one, but it is not one step. You, you, you cannot just make one step to follow Jesus, and then that's it, you're done. Yeah, in terms of your justification to go to heaven, sure, if you died in that moment like the thief on the cross, fine. But the thief on the cross is not the ideal follower of Jesus, church. Every single one of us are called to be walking this journey to be more like him. And so these two brothers, they begin to follow Jesus. They hear teachings and they watch Jesus die. They watch how he died. They watch how he responds to criticism and injustice. And they see all these things. But not only do they watch Jesus die, but they see him rise from the dead. They, they hear Jesus tell them to wait and they wait and they pray. And these two brothers are filled with the Holy Spirit. And their lives are so transformed, and so, again, they are transformed, and so transformed that this same son of thunder now writes these words in 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness." And walks in darkness and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so this storm of a man who used to create division and discord everywhere he went now is the same. You still see his personality. He's still direct, remarkably clear, but no longer from a divisive spirit. And the question is, why does he no longer have a divisive spirit? And it's because in his life he allowed the Holy Spirit to rule and to reign in every area of his thinking, of his emotions, and the way in which he engages the world around him. You know, following Jesus, John now knows, and so does his brother James, but John now knows that difference can absolutely be discipled. There is plenty of difference in this room and those of us who are Life Center, who are online, there is plenty of difference and that is not an issue whatsoever unless we make it an issue. But difference can be discipled, but here's what can never be discipled. Division cannot be discipled. Difference can, but division cannot, whether it is in a heart or a home or a church or a city or a nation or a province, whatever you want to pick. 
Division is difference. Division can't be discipled. It must first be dethroned. Then discipleship can occur. It's the same in all of our hearts and lives. And so John, who is now full of the Holy Spirit, is now cultivating unity and faith and a place where division falls. All because he keeps saying yes to follow Jesus, yes to surrender and to submit to the Spirit, not his flesh. And so again, John, the son of thunder, becomes known as an apostle of love. And if you hear love on this Valentine's weekend, don't just hear romantic and don't just hear ushy-gushy. Because if you look at the life of John, his love was not soft, it was not weak, it was strong, but it was beautifully Christ-centered. Transformation in me and in you, like John, happens by when we surrender again and again to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit drives out any other spirit or any other power that is pulling on the affection of our hearts. And as one man, one person, one pastor, just one, I can feel the collective pain like you can. The frustration, the confusion the disappointment and the fatigue, the deep fatigue and weariness of these past few years, you would have to be almost emotionally shut off not to feel it. You feel it. It's everywhere. It's, it's, you, you can't escape it. And I respect strong differences, and I respect strong opinions, and I'm proud of all of us genuinely at Life Center. And I also am aware, and I'm not blind, that there is present and future work needed for us to be healed and to be whole together, and not just in the area of vaccinations or mandates, but that one. But including that, we can talk about sexuality. In that, we can talk about even in this season that we are in, or in the month of February, we fresh look at injustice, inequality, There's much work that the Spirit desires to do in and through the church. And we all have, every one of us have to ask ourselves, what spirit or power do we desire to take residence in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, in our homes, in our churches? As Canadians who see and vote and do things differently, how do we do things differently but not divided? How do we see things so different yet walk as one in Christ? How do we do that individually but also collectively as a body? A question I have been asking the Holy Spirit to reveal in my own heart, and it's not just related to this current situation we find ourselves living through, but a question that I've been asking for the last couple of years in my own life to reveal is, as long as I get what I want... Would I even care what power got me there? And I don't say that question flippantly because God has used my life tremendously in health to bring unity and achieve vision, not independently, always with others. But in unhealth and blinded by offense, I have also seen my heart pull in a way that didn't create unity and togetherness. So this is not a message that comes this way. This is one saying, Lord, speak to our hearts. You know, a spirit of difference sees the process as powerful as the destination. But a spirit of division sees the destination by any power necessary. And every generation wrestles deeply with power, authority, difference, discord, and division. And the Apostle Paul, who was so violently opposed to Jesus... 
he too is transformed. He is transformed into following Jesus. And then once he's, trans once he's following Jesus, he too is filled with the Spirit. And then this man who was violently opposed to the church, everywhere he went, he had one sole objective, divide it, conquer it. This same man is so transformed that he gives his life for brothers and sisters to dwell in unity one with another. And I want you to watch the posture shift of the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he identifies when a different power desires to rule our hearts. Here's what he says. Are you so foolish? He's talking to a church in Galatia. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, every single one of us have one thing in common if we've given our lives to Jesus. Our stories are vastly different but every single one of us came to know Jesus first and foremost because of the work of the cross, absolutely, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that before you came to know Christ, surrendered Christ, let Jesus be the Lord of your life and the Savior of your life, it was the power of the Holy Spirit at work in around you when you couldn't see it. That he drew us to repentance, that he actually caused our eyes to be open to see that we are in need of salvation, that it's not just an intellectual thing, though it is intellectual, though it's an emotional thing, it's not just emotional. It is the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that pulls every single one of us all around the world to the revelation that we need a Savior. So Paul is simply saying, having begun in the Spirit, in other words, there is nothing that you did in and of yourself other than surrender and admit your spiritual condition. And you were given this gift of grace, every one of us that we don't deserve. This is all the work of the Spirit in their lives. So what began as a work in the Spirit, here's what he is saying to this church. Again, the only reason they're together is because of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Spirit. In fact, there's no other reason for the church in Galatia to all be gathered together other than the work and the Spirit of their heart made them one in Christ to see Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. It's the only thing that brings them together. Jesus is the only thing that's bringing this whole room together today and those of us who are online. It's the central thing. It's not the Super Bowl team that we vote for today. Vote for. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shows you what of a sports fanatic I am. <laughs> what team are you voting for? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I don't have to vote. I just have to root. Ah. No, I get it. But it is this place in our hearts and lives, again, that Jesus make, brings us together, and it's the power of the Spirit. And Paul is essentially saying in to this church in Galatia that having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Let's bring it down one level. In our desire to make things better, are we being divided by powers of sexuality, morality, idolatry, rebellion, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, drunkenness, or anything similar? Are any of those things occurring in our lives, trying to make the world a better place in our image? And the answer is yes, 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 a thousand times yes. And Paul is advocating here to the church in Galatia, like the apostle of love who is so transformed that 
It is not by these powers that we're going to achieve what we want. It is only by the power of the Spirit that we are going to see the world that we so desperately want to see. That the the clarion call of the gospel is not you become more like me. It is, again, we become more like Jesus. And that is the primary role of the Holy Spirit. Filled by the Spirit, as we follow Jesus, we begin to move with an opposite spirit. It is not a spirit that feels unrestrained, but somehow contained. Not controlled, but refined and confined in a way when the Spirit begins to move. When my flesh wins, I feel free. When the Spirit is in operation in my life, I feel contained and constrained, not bound. I feel led. And it's different. As a dad, when I get really mad, I'm really mad and I get really big, I feel unrestrained and I always regret it and it never bears the fruit that I desire. But when I am led by the Spirit as a dad, I feel constrained. I feel led. And it's different. The Holy Spirit's primary role is to make us one with Jesus. And that's, again, what he does at salvation. But then together, as we surrender to the Spirit, we become one as the body of Christ. That it's not only our oneness with God that matters, but our unity as the body of Christ commands a blessing. And disunity in the body of Christ, why does it, why does it create such problems in the world? Because we're called to be a countercultural church, to model something different than the world in which we live. And when there's no recognizable difference in the church, then there is no recognizable difference. In, in terms of being able to see the power of our flesh or the power of the spirit. Every other spirit or power's primary role is in opposition to the way of Jesus. And I'm going to say it again. Every other spirit or primary's role is to form us in opposition to the way of Jesus. This is why the same Paul goes on to say to the church in Galatia, I say then walk. Everyone say walk. If you're online, you can type in, just type in Walk. And I love watching on all the comments go like, walk, 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 walk. It's good. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Do you see what that says? It's so simple, but it's so hard. Because <laughs> it says, it doesn't say, I say then, don't walk by the flesh. It's not what it says. Yet many Christians, that's what we read. We try to white-knuckle our way to freedom. And I'm here, I'm going to tell you, you ain't strong enough. People are going to annoy you too much for you to hold that back. I had a moment this week that uh, one of my kids, one of my, my daughter, she learned how to drive. So she hit a pothole, and she does everything with excellence. And so she hit it really good, really, really good. <laughs> It's not her fault at all. It's really not. It was pitch black. There was no lights on the road. Not her fault at all. She hit that pothole with gusto, bent the rim, like just, wow, just total. So she called me. Okay, she's, she's there with her friend. And it's night. Okay, it's night. Car here. So I'm on the other side of the road, like jacking it up to try to change the tire. I had the four ways going on her car. I had my car, I had all the lights going on my car, and I even had a safety light in the car that I went and I put it on the road that had a blinking bright light, okay? But I made one mistake. I should have in my car also had the hazards on. The lights were all on, but I forgot to do that. 
Well, I'm changing the tire, and there's a 16-year-old girl and her friend on Milton Road in the dark of night, and a car pulls over, rolls down their window. I'm over there sweating and not swearing, but I'm working hard to change the tire. And all I hear is this voice from the car say, you should have had your hazard lights on in the other car. And I'm, I told you a second ago, I'm sweating, but I'm not swearing. Now I pop up with a different attitude. <laughs> then she didn't see me, but it, it, in my mind, I just thought like, what is wrong with us? Seriously, what's wrong with us? Like, okay, there was one thing, I, that's, my, that's my bad. She didn't see me, and then she didn't, kind of like, oh, drove off. You see a 16-year-old girl parked in the dead of night. Here's a good human response. Do you need help? Can I help you? Hamya, that's a vulnerable place. You didn't do it right. <laughs> oh, we live under a spirit of you didn't do it right. Is there any wonder why we can't breathe? can't engage together, always so struggling to move one with another. I didn't swear at her at all. Don't, don't, I, I kept, my flesh came up, and I, I'm not proud, but here's what I said exactly this way. Thank you! <laughs> That's what I said. No, no, don't clap that. Because there was a word before thank that the Lord gracefully cast out of my heart. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Try to white-knuckle your faith and try to hold all your flesh down. You're going to find yourself not strong enough. It is a relationship with the Holy Spirit that enables you and I to walk free, to walk as Jesus is calling us to walk. It is walking with this countercultural thing. It's why it baffles me and it mystifies me, and I love it. But after the teachings of Jesus, after the miracles of Jesus, after the cross of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, they have all the teachings. They have the cross. They have the bloodstained cross. They've got the empty tomb. The church has all of these things. And Jesus still says to them, wait. They have the messages, the miracles, the cross and the resurrection. And the same Jesus says to them, wait. Because if you're going to go into all the world and make disciples, and if you're going to do it in love, you don't just need the message, the miracles, the cross, and the resurrection. You need the power of the Spirit. You need the same power that raised Christ from the, the dead to dwell in you if you and I are to engage this together. Jesus said this to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 said, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Everyone say they. 
Notice how the Spirit falls on them, not just one. It's this beautiful thing that we're seeing again. Why? Because the work of the Spirit, yes, makes us one in Christ, but it also makes us one in Christ. That there's somehow that my walk with Jesus, my surrendering to Jesus, just like yours, makes a Jesus-sized difference in those who are around us. That is why, again, we all say it again and again and again, the worst thing to hit the church is celebrity Christianity. It is the worst, it is the worst, it is the worst, because the only celebrity in Christianity is Christ. The rest of us are the body of Christ, and we need one another, activating our gifts together, working with one another. Your surrendered step to follow Jesus makes a spiritual difference in this church, whether people know it or not. And our disobedience makes a difference in this church, whether we know it or not. We need one another. We are so dependent upon one another to be what Jesus, or called, who Jesus has called us to be. When the day of Pentecost came, they arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying John was known as a son of thunder, kind of like this violent thing and unrestrained outside of the Spirit of God. It was unrighteousness in his life. But Jesus can come, or the Spirit can come like a storm, but only Jesus can come like a storm. Only the Spirit can come like a storm because it's righteous and it's refined. It's different than our fleshly heart. And it filled the whole house where they were staying, and they saw tongues of fire. Flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, they are individually filled, yes, but together as one another, this is important. Now, this is descriptive. This happened, but it's not prescriptive. In other words, you can be by yourself and be filled with the Holy Spirit or in community and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's what I'm dead against. If you're filled by the Spirit, you will be one with Christ and you'll have a supernatural love for the body of Christ. Ah, not all the time, because they'll bug you. But when that flesh rises up, it'll be like, Lord, although I see this different, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith is not against you and it's not against me. It's against powers and principalities and rulers that seek to divide and destroy you and me. Entirely different. Remember, the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit is to make us one with Christ again in us and then together. So for me... When the power of the Spirit is evident in a church, in a life, we turn your I into an us. I don't just live a me, myself, and I life. I don't just live it in a way that it's just about me. Yes, it blesses me. Yes, I can talk about my spiritual gifts. Yes, I can talk about what God I see. But I also need to be quiet and listen to what the Spirit of, is at work in you and what do you see and what is God doing in your heart and life. It says you will receive power. That's an I part. But then it says you will be my witnesses and that's a them part. That's an us part. That's an out part. That's a them part. That is that we give a hoot about people who don't know Jesus. That we, genuinely give a, that we genuinely care about those who don't know Christ. That they're not just wrong, that they're lost. And the only reason we're found is not because we're better people, but because of the work of the Spirit. And the same Spirit that is working in our heart before we knew Christ, we trust whether we can see it or not. He's working in their lives too. So I know anytime I share the gospel, anytime I even let my little light shine, anytime I do it, I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm not alone. I know the Spirit is already at work where I'm stepping into.
John Tyson says, there's hope. And because John Tyson said it, we can go, oh, that's great. There's hope. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, there is hope. Every generation of believers is given an opportunity to tell the story of Jesus through the local church. God's presence among his people has always been his heart. And God's vision was not only a building to belong, but a people to walk among. And this is what God desires to do. There's a research company in the United States called Barna Research. And they conducted, when they looked at the North American church, and they wanted to know, in such a season of deconstruction, when so many people are walking away from faith and church and community, what are there common are there symptoms, are there commonalities, are there things that like happen in people's lives that though they live tremendously different lives, can we kind of boil it down and oversimplify it? Are there some things that we can see? And yeah, there's a danger of boiling it down, but there are two things that research all over North America has seen in individuals, and it is this is the moment you begin to pull away from being the church. And the second thing is this, that when that symptom happens, it's a dangerous place. And the second thing that happens is this, when God's word is no longer authority, if those two things happen, your resiliency as a follower of Christ statistically drops 85%. Your resiliency to remain and stand and root in and push back these different powers, why? Because again, you know what it takes to remain in a local church? I'll tell you what it takes as someone who's grown up in church. It's his whole life. You know what it takes? Humility. <laughs> it takes humility. You know what it takes to remain under God's word? Humility. Because the scripture says that God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Again, the Holy Spirit empowers us to remember what Jesus said and then to live like Jesus lived. And I want you to know that living like Jesus lived isn't just a Sunday thing. It's an everything thing. If you give the Holy Spirit any room and all room in your heart, he'll take it and he'll go to every place in your heart and life. In the last three months, I went to go put on a pair of shoes and in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give those shoes away. And I said, I resist you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Era nombre de Jesus, go. That's how they do it in, 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 in like the Spanish world, and it's powerful. In Canada, we're like, if you could please like, stop bothering me, enemy, I would deeply appreciate that. But you know what? Like, I, look, at, like, that's up to you ultimately. That's a Canadian's way of casting out a demon. I like the Spanish. Here we go, we're in it. No, but so I have this, I have this pair of shoes, and I know exactly who they're going to go to. And they haven't been at church in a while, and they're missing out on a gift. And I haven't worn them since. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit won't touch things. Yeah, He will. He'll touch everything. Anything that wants to have rule and reign in your heart, he'll touch. He will. So one, one day I'll give away those shoes. So pray that I have the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's very, very, very weak. You know, I wanted to just say thank you to you. 
whether you're here or whether you're at home, I want to say thank you to you, genuinely. Without you, I don't know if I get through these last two years. I'm telling you, they've sucked. They've been hard. That's not a very good word for a Sunday morning, but it's appropriate, I think, for the season that we're in. I thank you. Thank you, imperfect church, for loving us as imperfect pastors. Thank you for your different perspectives, but fighting for the unity of the Spirit. In the past two years, you have helped me discern the truth of Jesus from the lies of the enemy. Sometimes in ways I didn't appreciate in the moment, but you've helped me. You helped me walk out spiritual disciplines. You provide a safe place for me to confess my sin. You accelerate me dying to myself. Some of you more than others. <laughs> and I know I do it for some of you more than others. I know this. You remind me life's not all about me. You share your testimony, your faith, and your life lessons with me. I come to church every single Sunday knowing the position I have at this church, but knowing that I'm surrounded by those who are more spiritually mature than I am this church. The pastor must be the most spiritually mature. Not always, and not in every area. Why? Because it's not about a pastor or a body. We need one another, and I need you. Some of you watching how you love your wife has helped me love my wife better. Some of you watching how you go through storms helped me go through storms. I may not always say it, but I see it. Some of you have been following Jesus for 50, 60 years. And I aspire to be like you in a few more years. You keep showing up and that inspires me. You help me to see the world through different genders, ethnicities, generations. I've had the privilege even within Life Center of talking to those who would say, I'm gay, but my heart is surrendered to Christ and I'm sexually abstinent and I will live my life without sexual expression, but not without love not without the community and family of others. And as one who is heterosexual and married, my sanctification and sexuality looks different for you. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, I am inspired. I am inspired by the different sacrifices that it takes for somebody who's single, that it takes for somebody who is an addict, that it takes for someone who is married, that it takes for someone who has lost a spouse. You inspire me to keep following Jesus in the midst of all of these things. Church, let's not let division create an echo chamber where everyone looks like us, thinks like me, believes like me. Let's fight for a greater unity, the unity of the Spirit. Thank you, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for helping me see that it's not about me. Living in the Spirit is also turning my I into a my. 
Spiritual practices are spiritual warfare. The private life of Jesus gave him authority in the public sphere. And Jesus didn't live an I-centered life, but a my-centered life. He said this in John 5, 17. Jesus responded to them, My Father is still working, and I am also working. For Jesus, it wasn't, I have to read Torah. I have to go to synagogue. I have to pray. Those spiritual disciplines are important. But I'm telling you, if your Christian life has become all about have-tos, don't white-knuckle it anymore. Ask the Holy Holy Spirit to take up more space and room in your life, to fill your life where it's dead discipline, to fill you with a fresh passion, fresh presence, fresh purpose of the Holy Spirit, the fresh purpose of God. This isn't an easy time. And I recognize that. It's not easy for anybody. And I'm convinced. And I am convinced that if we let the Spirit move, if we let the Spirit fill, if we let the Spirit lead, God can use this in a way that is glorious. And I'm equally convinced if you or I let other power and spirits fill us and lead us. We will lose our salt and we will lose the light that we are called to be. I believe in the core of my being that the greatest days of the church are now and ahead. I believe it in the core of my being. But we need a move of the Spirit. We don't need a political move. Exactly. We need a move of the Spirit. We need followers of Jesus to stop looking at one another like we're the enemy and become united around the true one. The reason I have great hope is not in hype or circumstance. It's not why I have hope. It's not why you should have hope. I believe that you can have tremendous experiences in the Holy Spirit. 
tremendous experiences in the Holy Spirit. But don't ground your relationship with the Holy Spirit in, in simply an experience. Grounded in what you see in God's word about what the Spirit does. This week I had someone send me a prophetic word. Well, they said it was a prophetic word. Um, has anybody ever heard someone take the Lord's name in vain? And it, it, you, it, you wince a bit. You feel it. You're like, ay, ay, wah, wah. You know. I do wish sometimes, though, that when Jesus is mentioned in those ways, man, sometimes I just wish that like, he would just show up like, yes. I would freak people out. I mean, if I was Jesus, I would do that. <laughs> but thank the Lord I'm not for your benefit. <laughs> but when people take the Lord's name in vain, and I know with this I'm done, but the people take the Lord's name in vain, it, it stings. But I got sent a prophetic word. And I'm telling you right now, it wasn't prophetic. It was a perspective that took God's word and made it say what they wanted to say, and that is just as much taking God's word in vain. It's important that you and I have humility when we say we're speaking for God. It is vitally important for you and I as the church not to just let everything that has God's name get slapped on it is of God. Lord, would you restore this beautiful fear of you, not a dread, but this holiness to the church. So if you're here and you've never been filled with the Spirit, or you want to be filled afresh with the Spirit today, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I'm going to pray a three-word prayer. And with that, we're done. Holy Spirit, come. Fill every hungry heart. Fill every heart, God. Fill every thirsty soul. Lord, I thank you. I thank you in this season. Like, we can't even, like, touch one another to do what we would normally do in this moment. It just reminds us how bankrupt we are. But, Lord, we know that you know no bounds. So fill every hungry heart. Help us be one with Christ. And then, Lord, together, help us to be one as you and the Father are one. Amen.